everybody. Welcome back to the Multiverse Podcast. My name is Gar Punnett, Chief Strategy Officer here at Reapley. We had an exciting conversation today with Ben Christensen, who's the CEO and co-founder of Cambium Carbon, a circular economy technology platform that is looking at scaling reuse for wood products um, that have come either from uh, felon, fallen wood, um, and that looking to make new homes, new products out of those wood materials instead of just sending it to landfill. It's rare that we get to talk to a fellow technology uh, provider who's building something in the circular economy. So it was a great joy to talk to Ben. Hope you enjoy. Please, if you have any questions, if you want to be on the podcast, please reach out to us at podcastreapley.com. Uh, we're joined by Ben Christensen uh, here today. Uh, ben, could you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and the cool new startup that y'all have really pioneered called Cambium Carbon? Yeah, so great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. So I'm the CEO and co-founder of Cambium Carbon. So we use technology technology to build local regenerative wood product supply chains. So what does that really mean? We provide technology to local suppliers, folks who are normally focused really heads down just in their local market, and we help them access large national buyers. And then we help those national buyers really source nationally locally. So what does that actually mean? It means that they're able to buy in lots of different markets and actually source and connect that material. Um, and locally, we're just focused on wood products. Um, you know, we really are focused on this bigger problem of wasted wood and cities, which I'm sure we'll get into, but that's sort of our bigger model and, and where we're at. I said new in this, but y'all have done some great work already uh, for some time. Uh, can you share a little bit about sort of that founding story? Because um, you've got some co-founders too. Yep. Um, what Everyone always loves a good origin story. Uh, what does that look like for you all? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I mean, um, you know, I started this really, my background is in technical climate solutions um, and then took sort of a more technical background. I was doing hydrogen fuel cell research um, was much more in sort of the chemistry. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to need you to break that word down for the audience. Uh, what were you doing? Um, I was looking at the process of hydrolysis, which is how you split um, water to create hydrogen, hydrogen, a more renewable fuel source. And I was doing um, nanochemistry on that for a bit. Um, not a super long time, but I loved it. I love the scientific method. And I also really learned that I don't want to be in a lab. Um, I really want to be engaging and growing with people. At the same time, I was a, I was a backcountry guide. Um, so I was leading lots of different folks in the outdoors. And I love wilderness medicine. And one of the big things there is how do you deal with small teams with limited resources and limited information? And it turns out that type of decision making translates pretty good to being a startup. So yes, it does. <laughs> so I, took I took those backgrounds together and then um, was working on federal policy and saw this big gap um, in climate solutions and particularly on, you know, a focus on urban forestry and started going after it much more from the public sector perspective. So looking at how cities could really address this problem and in that process learned that there's all of these other solutions and that's what we've really developed today is, is zooming much more in on those. And again, from some someone who's not uh, so rurally inclined or nature inclined like myself, I loved the, the city aspect to this. Um, I think very yeah. often, I mean, there are lots of solutions out there focused on wood. Most of them focused, frankly, on the, the rural, the, the, the nature focus, the forest preserve focus, why for such a, a, a nature guy um, focused on giving tours in nature, why the city focus? What, what spoke to you in terms of that opportunity? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, 
you know, for me, I, I really started, I, I grew up in a tiny town of about 200 people up in the mountains in um, rural New Mexico. So definitely have a much more sort of outdoor connection. But in that and in my process of learning more about how we think about climate change, I just realized that so much of the impacts of this are going to really impact people. And particularly, you know, they're going to exacerbate these already existing gaps in our society. And, you know, so many people live in cities, so many people um, who experience injustice from our economic system in different places live in cities and thinking about how we can create climate solutions that can be meaningful and scalable in terms of addressing climate overall and also create resilience and economic resilience and vibrancy in cities is really what called to me um, to work there. And so um, that was a big part of it. And also just, you know, getting amazing partners, um, you know, so much of what I believe is we work with communities, not you know, in communities. Um, and so we are all about listen first and just having a bunch of amazing partners who helped us learn about this challenge around urban wood waste and has, has really helped us co-create the solutions that we're going after. Tell you can agree or disagree with this statement when I give it, but uh, I was trying to explain again for our audience, you might be seeing similarities here in, in pulling together uh, local um, solutions and figuring out how things work regionally and locally in cities, because that's where the real impact is. I was trying to explain that to actually, I think a group of investors um, when it, it really almost became very clear that uh, the work that we're trying to do in cities is almost copying or mimicking a lot of what already happens in more rural suburban and even sort of nature focused communities, which is, when wood falls down in in uh, in a in nature, um, someone might either yep. be there to use it for energy, or or it's going to actually actually end up get taken over by some other growth. Um, that always isn't sure. the case here. It, it, when it falls in a city, it has a different outcome, right? Yeah, you know, it's it's amazing, right? We we think about you know forests, you know, in a rural context as working lands, right? Like as these yep. spaces that we are managing we think about how can we you know do that better and there's all of this new thinking around how we can do that better from a climate perspective and from a social and an environmental perspective but the way we look at trees and cities so much is just as like they are they serve their value for right. when they're alive and then once they're done they're a waste product we don't see it as a working space and as one that hey it can take more active management and there's lots of amazing folks in urban forestry who do see it that way but sort of mo more broadly as a society we, we actually really overlook a lot of the trees that are closest to us and i think that's one of the big things that we're trying to help elevate is how can we feel more connected to you know the trees that really bring us the most immediate value you know trees more broadly super super important um, but the trees closest to us have all of these other co-benefits of cleaner air and water. Um, and how do we, you know, really stay connected to them? Yeah. It's probably something too, that, uh, when someone opens their eyes again to the impact of the trees around them, you, you almost don't notice it until they're not there anymore. And you go into the neighborhoods yeah. that don't have as many trees and you're like, Oh, this is, this feels different. Um, and even, you know, when we talk about feeling some of the, even those neighborhoods, you'll feel like, Oh, this, this neighborhood feels like I'm not supposed to be here because you're so used to seeing trees around when everyone deserves the trees. Everyone deserves that type of shade. Everyone deserves that cooling effect, that purification process that they offer. It's just that some yeah. of those neighborhoods have been cleared of that opportunity. Um, how do you all start, you know, what was the barrier there um, where you originally thought, okay, this is something we can help solve um, and speak a little bit about the business model of how you 
go around talking to public organizations or governments, um, getting more organizational support and how you start building these local economies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about this a little bit before we started, but it's, it's really when we think about building a circular economy here, it, it's about engaging with a number of different stakeholders. You know, we really started initially to your question about how did this foment, like what sparked this? Yep. You know, we, we got a great grant um, in partnership with the Arbor Day Foundation from the Nature Conservancy and Love basically that. put out a proposal to cities to say, hey, we want to come in and understand this, help you understand this problem and think about solutions. Like sort of simply what happens to the wood waste in your city? How can we help you solve it? And we had 31 cities from all across the country apply. And, you know, we were a super small team, like didn't really put it out. And we were like, oh, wow, this is a much bigger problem that we then we realized and so that was our first indication and then when we started to really work with the cities we realized that the public sector and the private sector are totally disconnected on this problem um, the private sector itself is a really fragmented market with all of these different players who actually contribute to this waste problem and that the real issue across the system is data and having a centralized sort of aggregation across it. And so, you know, in that, we've started to really build much more of our business model focused on the private sector because we think we can act much more quickly there and we are seeing those results. And there's also a lot of existing infrastructure that, that can actually capture these trees. And, you know, think about local sawmills and wood product shops that will actually help do that. And at the same time, and we were talking about this as well, but it's, you know, we're working on this solution that's private sector and also trying to really elevate the public sector at the same time. So working with cities there too. So breaking that down then um, further, this is essentially saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, please. If, yeah, yeah. if uh, instead of going after a government contract potentially where there's some sort of RFP request for proposal where you, uh, you might be trying to intervene and say, hey, we can help with whatever private organization is going to complete this RFP and move that that wood accordingly to a secondary market source, whether that is a sawmill or some sort of carpentry type um, operation. Uh, you're now more intervening strictly on the private level. And is that my understanding where you instead you're sort of leaving the RFPs alone, letting the public market or the private market address the RFPs. And then you're saying, okay, we can intervene here on the private side, talk to those companies directly, not deal with the RFP and then find the, the wood source that way. Yeah, that's that's both right and not right. It's right. Love it. I love when I'm right and not right. Yes. <laughs> I'm usually both right and not right. Yes. Um, that's, that's how most, most things come. Um, you know, in the near term, we're really working more on that private sector side um, okay. to help enable that. But we're still very actively working with cities and, Excellent. you know, our sort of thinking and like this is how I think about climate change. Like I think climate change is a kitchen sink problem. Yeah. Like we need kind of all of these different solutions. We need the best of each sort of category of solution, but there's there's no silver bullet. Right. We need all of it. And that's sort of how we think about really addressing this wood waste problem is we want to address saving trees from sort of all sides. And because it hasn't been addressed in sort of a unified way, that's what really is needed in this space. And so, you know, we can enter, all right, a tree is coming down. Like we can enter that process from the developer side, you know, somebody mm -hmm. who is actively 
and taking down that tree. And we'll work with them to then connect them into our network of offtake suppliers. We yep. might just touch that tree when an arborist is bringing it to one of our, our local millers. We might touch that tree from a city side, you know, helping them understand and have the data. And we can sort of come at that from every different angle. Um, and again, there's challenges that are involved in that. Of but course. also we really see that as our, our path to having the biggest impact. And that's what we care about is, is really large results. Well, that, that challenge too, and as you said before too, that multi-stakeholder approach is not easy. Um, no. it, it is a constant um, evaluation of what messaging is going to intervene at what step for yep. which type of person we're trying to connect into this this network. Um, yep. How has that gone in sort of communicating? Like what, what sort of the, the great success stories have, have you all had so far? Who's, who's been sort of your, your who gets the gold star um, for, for some of your clients? Yeah, I mean, I think as you're saying, it's, it's a challenge. Um, and I think that's one of the things that we're continuing to try to really lean on, which is how do you listen to the different stakeholders that we have Absolutely. and then provide real value? Uh, you know, I think if you come to mind, you know, on the city side, um, we're doing a lot of really exciting work in the city of Philadelphia right now, um, you know, really trying to help them actually elevate and build out um, a new sort of centralized place in the city that they can capture this wood waste. And the big win for them is it, it's a money saver. Saves their saves on the bottom line. Um, so there's a really big opportunity in, in collaboration with the work that we're doing there. Um, you know, on the private side, we did an awesome project with Towson University um, that was a really cool sort of full cycle one where they're building a new student union that's focused on entrepreneurship, particularly impactful entrepreneurship. And we built all the tables there, sourced from a local shop um, that was tracked and built on our platform. All that wood came from trees that were coming down naturally in Baltimore, was processed, dried, and saved from landfill. And then we also reinvested in new trees, just like one neighborhood over. Um, and so that full story there is really exciting um, and something that, you know, it's been really cool to see how much, um, you know, the, the folks that go into that space talk about it and think about it um, and see it. And I think that's that's what we get really excited about longer term. And I know you all get excited about this as well, but when you can tell that story in a physical product and a product that you wouldn't normally think about with it, it's, it's huge. That's how we start driving change in bigger ways as well. I, yeah, so you are so right in how we identify that because so much of what we're doing has previously, the, the reason that the problem exists is because it's been sort of in the dark. Um, yeah. And so as soon as you can bring it into the light, highlight that it's a problem, but then show that a solution is something either super creative that someone made or there's a new use or utility for the thing that was once waste. Um, yeah. I love seeing the light bulb. It's actually almost the, it's the reason for the title of the podcast, which is um, the reason for the multi-useiverse is, is like, it's almost something you can't unsee. Like once you start totally. to see the world a little bit differently, you start to see it with a new lens. You can't unsee reuse and, and including uh, sort of more uh, sustainable thought, uh, leadership in sort of how you're trying to drive decision-making whatever organization or whatever you're even doing personally. Um, can you talk 100%. a little bit about the business model? And, and if someone's listening here, who's like, Oh my gosh, I've never heard of Cambi and how do I get involved? Whether it's a city official or, or a private organization, what does that look like from both of those different stakeholders? 
Yeah, so we, we really have sort of three core parts of our business model. So the first is, is providing technology and support for these local, um, you know, mill wood product shops. So if you're somebody who works with wood um, in an urban context in any form, we'd love to talk to you. Our, our, you know, our software really helps you manage your business, manage operations, and then connect into national market. So that's sort of the second component where we work with these large brands, you know, large uh, buyers who purchase wood products. And we've got some really exciting partnerships that will be announced in the next few months um, that are local buyers. And so if you're a local producer, we will bring you larger orders. Um, and so that's sort of the, the second part there. And then the final part of our business model is we work with um, cities and consultants. Um, and, you know, the big thing there is we help do that enabling work. And this is one of the things that we really believe in is we do that enabling work. We help support policy. All of that is critical. And at the same time, we're actively working on the private side. We're actively connecting with the NGO community. We're actively working with the developers um, in each of the cities. So once we have that public side, we've already built sort of the infrastructure and we can layer both of those on. And so that's sort of how our three-part business model really connects and, and feeds on itself. Oh, that's that's great. Uh, you're kind of working on some more pioneering tech too a little bit. Um, Willing to share anything with from South by Southwest? Uh, any anything that related to maybe some some NF tree type type thinking? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's an interesting space. I think it's complicated. Um, yes. I think we are <laughs> trying to to see and understand Web three a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think particularly for you know our technology, um, we have an opportunity to sort of transform the need for certification. You know, you need certification, Absolutely. right? When, you don't know where something came from. Um, we have the data to tell you where every single board on our platform came from. And that's something obviously that you all do so well, um, you know, and that's the big part of, you know, moving past the need for these third parties. And again, there are certainly spaces where certification is really important and plays a critical role. There's also spaces where I think we can really move past it. And I think Web3 can help enable that. Um, I also think that there's some interesting ways that we can connect with communities. Um, I also think that there's a lot of complexity in getting that right, um, you know, is something that we're trying to also really be aware of. We're not putting a ton of time and energy into that. Um, yeah. We're sort of just doing some high level testing and seeing how that goes. No, it is because it's a fun space too. And, you know, we've been we haven't actively same been thinking about it and no one's looking for a, an, an NFT enabled chair um, from Reaply. Um, but it's, but it is interesting. And I think, I think I could even see a path and I'd love your thoughts on this too, of how like our, I don't think we have, I've thought about it a little bit, but like, how do you reward digitally for actions taken in the physical world? Um, and it's like, how is that a how is that potential sort of there? And and maybe there's a path forward that's a little bit closer to home how, with how people are emotionally connected to trees around them. And maybe there's something there. Um, but it is fun. It's fun to think about how does it bring more efficiency? How does it build in more trust yeah. into a system without third parties involved? Um, well. So what's really next for, for you all? Uh, I know that you've got sort of a big announcement too that, you, that maybe you're, you're willing to share or not share, um, but there's, there's definitely growth on your horizon. What's, what's coming next? Yeah. So, you know, big, big news for us. Um, so we just closed our seed round, which is really exciting. Huge. So we're, we're so hiring. Huge. 
for about 10 new roles. So if anybody listening is interested, um, we're, we're actively looking for passionate um, folks to, to really build this together. Um, we also just finished our second acquisition. So we just integrated with a local mill shop um, in Baltimore, which we are really excited to, to share more about um, Fantastic. really soon. Um, again, giving us more of that deep wood products expertise, a real regional connection, a place to do R&D, um, and you know, just an amazing team that is going to join and, and help our team really grow and scale. And uh, yeah, you know, a lot of fun and exciting partnerships um, that will be announced in the next few months that I think are going to really bring this wood, our carbon smart wood to the national market and and are going to make some splashes in the space. So we're excited to share it um, once we're ready. Excellent. And then when it comes to wood reuse in the the average consumer, um, you know, someone who isn't working at a private organization, milling trees or taking them down and someone who isn't working at a city government how should how should we be thinking about wood and wood reuse? Um, what sort of advice do you have or call to action do you have for for wood reuse? Yeah, I've got I've got two for you. The first is to be just think about it, be more aware. Um, so there's sort of two ways. Like this, also one of my aha moments is I was home in, in Albuquerque and I was looking at the firewood that was outside the grocery store. You know, just a little firewood bundle. I picked it up and it came from Estonia. And I was like, I just came from a mill shop that like was throwing away so much wood and we're shipping, you know, from Estonia to New Mexico. It doesn't make any sense. It's crazy just to burn it. Right. Just to burn in our fireplace. Like that doesn't make any sense. So think about it. Do you even think about about giant bundles of wood that are packed into a storage unit shipped across an ocean? I know it's unbelievably frustrating. It makes no sense. Um, so that's piece one. The second is like when you're walking around, um, you know, and I'd encourage you to think about this as well, but notice how many trees come down. Like we take down lots of trees all the time for lots of different reasons. Um, and think about what happens to that or ask the arborist there, like, Hey, what's going to happen to that wood? And most times it's going to get chipped. And oftentimes it's also going to get set in the landfill. And, you know, just thinking about that and being more aware is a big part. And then the final one I would say is, you know, we work with about 140 different local wood product shops all across the country who do salvage wood, who save, um, you know, trees that were destined for mulch or for landfill and capture them. So they exist in every single city. Um, You can look it up usually under the term urban wood. Um, And if you want to, you know, you're doing some home woodworking, you're doing, um, you know, any sort of wood project, um, check it out, um, go find a, a local Sawyer or Miller and they are, you know, all amazing wood products experts who can help, you know, really access local species. So that's what I would say, learn about it. Um, and then think local when you're buying. Love that. Where can people find you all your, your Ted talk? What's, what's going on? Uh, where, where do they look? Yeah. Check us out at cambiumcarbon.com. Um, that's, that's really where it, uh, where you can start connecting and, um, yeah, lots of resources there. Excellent. Ben, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been such a pleasure. I look so much forward to the growth that you all have coming um, and whatever might be coming on the horizon for our circular economies to collide a little bit. So that'll be a, that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think there's going to be some awesome synergies there. And yeah, really excited. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Talk soon. Talk soon.